Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by David Woolman, and only David Woolman today, just a two-man show for this one. David, you and I both obviously very super bowled out from last night, that scintillating performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Kansas City Chiefs. So as we now try to come down from that high, we have the high school girls basketball playoffs on the docket and at center stage this week. Um, the action gets going on Thursday, the uh, the first of seven rounds. We, uh, we for the most part, you know, know what the field going to look like you know we still have a few loose ends to tie up with you know mesquite horn still is playing for uh, the rights to the top seed in district 10 6a you got newman smith over in Carrollton. they're playing woodrow wilson to see who's going to be the top seed out of 11 5a so again we'll i guess know the full the full playoff field and what the uh, what the uh, all the first round matchups are on i guess after tuesday but for now we at least have you know the the overwhelming majority of the field has been set so we have enough information where we can go ahead and just preview this sucker talk a little bit about who's in the playoffs what is in store for this opening round this week, and um, and just maybe discuss a few teams that might be hanging around for a little while. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's get right to it. As um, as a quick aside, the postseason structure is a little bit different than um you know than previous years. It's kind of similar to how volleyball was constructed during the fall. You have um you know there's no there's no regional tournaments, so you don't have the the grind of you know. You know, regional semis on Friday, and then the teams turn right around and play the following day on Saturday. The state tournament is not really a tournament. It's just going to be the state finals that take place out in San Antonio. The state semifinals will take place at separate neutral sites, um, depending on the teams that advance that far. So, um, yeah, it's um, nevertheless, though, we still have plenty of local representation in the postseason, as we always do. So let's um, let's talk about the teams that made it, and um, yeah, let's just uh, see what is in store in the uh, in the weeks to come. Um, we can start over in. Uh, in Class 5A, talking about a team that actually hung around for quite a bit last season, and that was Lake Dallas. Lake Dallas had quite the postseason run last year, their longest ever, going to the regional semifinals, a historic postseason on all accounts, and they've uh, they've done nothing but build off of that and look every bit the part of one of the better teams in the area. They're fresh off a district championship. Um, did they go undefeated? 14-0. There you go, an undefeated district championship. After last year, they split the district title, um, but obviously, you know, it's the, the postseason landscape changes every year as far as the teams you got to go through to get where you ultimately want to go. So as far as Lake Dallas, though, um, it's a team that obviously has high expectations. So just talk about those expectations, David. And I mean, how is uh, just what's the mood around Lake Dallas right now as the uh, Lady Falcons get rolling later this week? Well, the mood's very confident. This, This is a very confident group. I mean, this is a team that, you know, even though they're still kind of a young team that like the majority of the, you know, this team is juniors like this is a it's a veteran savvy team Mm -hmm. um obviously 
last year, like when you went all the way to the regional semifinals for the first time since 2008, like you did lose a couple of seniors off that team, Dorian Norris, who is now playing at Texas A&M Commerce, and Josephine Elliott, who was a district MVP last year, who's now playing at UT Tyler. Like those are two important pieces, but the people who were like the sophomores last year, like Georgia Elliott and Cameron Richardson, who's actually a freshman last year, and also Ali Buchanan and several other players, like they got like all that experience last year, you know, to see what it's like to be in a postseason environment. Mm-hmm. And now that they got that experience and you couple of, with, with Mackenzie Buss, who's coming off like a season, season long injury last year with like, with a, with a, with the ACL injury, mm. like just imagine what this team can do this postseason. I know it's it, granted. It's not going to be easy because that's a tough region that they're in. If you, yeah. And I'm, I always like to do this experiment at the start of the postseason is kind of go through and see how many teams from each region finish the year state-ranked. And now, granted, again, obvious disclaimer that state rankings are by no means the end-all, be-all and whatnot, and especially a year like this with as up and down as it's been because of the pandemic, because of kids being in and out of lineups due to quarantines and whatnot. And it's been a, lot of, it's been a little bit of a chaotic year. So, again, these rankings might be a little bit loose as far as what they actually mean. But if you are strictly looking at what it says, at least according to what the Texas Association of basketball coaches has in their most recent state poll as of this morning. Uh, Region 1 has four teams that rank in the state's top 10 currently. Um, you've got Wichita Falls Rider. They're 21-2 and two on the season. They're, uh, they're ranked number four in the state. Then you have Mansfield Legacy at number seven. Lubbock Cooper at number eight. And Amarillo, always a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. They're at number 10. Lake Dallas, though, uh, not too far off, though. They're number 14 in the state. And then all the way down to number 14, you have El Paso Chapin. So, um, yeah, obviously, it's a, to get to where you want to go, you're probably going to have to beat um, you know, beat a few heavyweights along the way. But obviously, it's a team that has plenty of experience from what they accomplished last season. And then, yeah, obviously, you mentioned with what Bus has brought to the table as far as being able to make up for lost time with just an incredible junior season. Yeah, um, it's it's a team that certainly has some skins on the wall, and um, you know, obviously, looks to be hanging around in this thing for quite some time. And this is a team that, like you know, obviously, you mentioned Bus, and she's just you know, she's so athletic. She she gets to the basket. She can make opponents like fall, f- like slide four feet onto the floor when she does like a behind the back crossover, <laughs> like in that game against Grapevine to clinch the district title about a week and a half ago. But it's also like she, the way she, you know, create, you know, drives to the basket, which creates looks for her teammates too. And she's got some great teammates as well too, who can knock down shots. You get like a senior, a junior Georgia Elliott, mm-hmm. who's Josephine's sister, younger sister out there. And like, the first time, uh, like they played Grapevine this year, that was a game where she scored twenty nine points, and they won sixty nine to sixty six in overtime mm-hmm. against a Grapevine team who, who like hadn't lost a district game, and maybe it was like their second loss of this of the season right there. And then obviously you got uh, Ali Buchanan, who's a force in the paint right there, and then uh, a sophomore Cameron Richardson. Like you know, she's had some you know double digit games as well too. So it's not just bust. Like they, you know, you just can't focus on her because they got some other girls who can knock down mm-hmm. some shots on this team. And then, um, let's see, then pivoting over then to Region 2 5 we've got a lot of matchups yeah. <laughs> locally over in Region 2. Just going to kind of quick hit some uh, some brief thoughts on uh, on each one that we have. Um, let's see, then you have, uh, let's see, Frisco Memorial and uh, in Princeton. The, Memorial's got an interesting team. I'm just anxious to see what this team does because, you know, last year was, uh, is that your phone ringing? I don't know <laughs> what that is. It's somebody texted me. Uh, uh, they can wait. Let's see. Um, so, yeah, Memorial last year, they, um, you know, they had, it was a bit of a breakout for Memorial last season. I believe they entered as the number two seed out of that Frisco district. And then they um, they actually got upset in the first round by Denison, despite the promise that Memorial showed. They had a, 
just had a tough time finding that requisite gear in the postseason. They actually wound up losing that game by double digits. A bit of a surprising exit for the for the Lady Warriors. Um, so they get rolling. They're once again, I believe, the number two seed out of uh, out of nine five A. But um, it's not going to come easy because they got a tough one against Princeton, who was the number three seed out of ten five A. Princeton was actually state ranked for portions of the season. I don't believe they are anymore. But nevertheless, though, it's a team that won twenty one and four. Their only losses were to McKinney North and Wiley East, the top two teams in that district. They're led by a uh, you know a double double machine and Riley Cave. So um yeah, I mean on paper, you know, I mean Memorial has the the talent edge with Jazz, especially led by you know Jasmine Lott, a uh, you know a district MVP contender. So uh, just anxious to see though if this is now the year when Memorial gets over the uh, over the playoff hump because this is you know, at least Princeton on paper is a tougher matchup than what you know this team had to go through last season. So curious to see what that means for for Frisco Memorial. We did mention though that uh you know Newman Smith and Woodrow Wilson have some stuff to sort out in 11-5A. I'm kind of curious. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that matchup on Tuesday shakes out between those two as far as who gets the top seed. Just because when you look at the first two meetings during district between those two teams, they both they, they split the series, obviously. And then both games materialized in the exact same fashion. And they were double-digit blowouts in favor of one team. And then you add in the additional subplot that in the game that, um, that Newman-Smith lost, they didn't have their best player. Um, Jada Ship, and then Woodrow Wilson didn't have its best player in the rematch just a couple weeks ago, so hopefully they're both at full strength and we can finally figure out who the better team is between these two, because when you factor in just those uh, you know those absences in the lineup, it's really tough to take away a whole lot from those two regular season meetings, so um, we'll see there as far as, um, let's see, as far as who wins that game, the winner of that gets Adamson in the first round, the loser would draw Spruce, um, you know, either team will be favored in those, in those two matchups, and then the question is then, once you get past that juncture um, you're likely going to run into uh, you know somebody from that Frisco district, and we'll see what uh, what that means. You know Newman Smith, you know built a lot of uh, you know experience and momentum last season, winning a playoff game for the first time under Jason Samuels, and then um, Frisco Santano just cracked them pretty good in the area around. So you're hoping with a lot of those kids back and the role that they've been on over the back half of the season, despite not having played with their full complement of players yet, that um you know what maybe this year's a little bit different as far as being able to offer up a bit more of a uh, a bit more of a competitive showing against whoever they get between. 9-5-A and 10-5-A, assuming they are able to get past whoever that team out of uh, out of 12-5-A is in the first round. Um, they're looking elsewhere. Man, this is right at the top of as far as some of the most intriguing first-round matchups, um, at least in, in our coverage area. McKinney North versus Frisco Liberty. Now, this is a, a McKinney North team that, um, you know, as of last week, was ranked number 20 in the state. They lost in double overtime to Wiley East in a game that was, you know, going to be for a potential split for the district title. Great game. Um, you know, it was, I mean, North fought back from a 10-point deficit. Their defense was just outstanding in the second half. They actually had chances to win this game at the end of both regulation and the first overtime, but couldn't convert either chance. And then the Wiley East finally took command there in that second overtime and wound up kind of winning this thing going away by eight points. Um, but it's a, uh, I mean, North has been one of the more interesting stories all season because of, as we've mentioned on the podcast, they've got a few freshmen that have taken on massive roles on varsity, you know, with Caitlin Hamilton, C.R. Harris, Cheyenne Wooten. And now all of a sudden now you have to begin your first playoff run against the defending state champions <laughs> oh. who, I mean, you talk about, I mean, a team that has been just as, as just so incredibly consistent as this Liberty team has been over the years. Obviously, it all it all starts and finishes with the state title that they won last year. But even beforehand, this program was about as impressive as it got in terms of just consistent playoff success. So 
the last time that Liberty lost in the first round was in 2012. Since then, they've gone at least three rounds deep every year. So that's eight years. They've gone at least three rounds deep each of those eight years. They made five appearances in at least the regional finals. They made three appearances at the state tournament. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, how many schools in the state can even say that they've had that sort of consistency over the last eight years? It's not a, it's not a long list at all, I'd imagine. And Liberty, they're just, I mean, they've got a lot of experience back from that team that won state. You know, their record was a little bit tough to read into because they were, you know, a little bit more up and down early in the season when Jazzy Owens Barnett was out with that Achilles injury. And, um, I mean, it's, it's a team that's going to impose a style on McKinney North that the, I just don't think the Lady Bulldogs have seen just yet as far as a team that's going to grind this game to a halt and just fundamentally you to death and just basically make it to where you're just not going to have as many possessions against this team as you normally would. So um, it's, it's a heck of a test for McKinney North right out of the shoot, and I'm curious to see what this means as far as Liberty, you know, despite a bit of an up-and-down, you know, regular season, being able to maybe shift gears and do what they've done so many times and just get hot and see where it, uh, see where it takes them. Mm-hmm. Despite being the three seed out of that district, but I think that could be a great game. I think there's some sneaky potential in Wiley East against Frisco Centennial as well. Um, you know, Wiley East is a tough matchup. I mean, I saw him against North, and I mean that team just has so much size. Mm-hmm. Obviously, starting in the paint with Akasha Davis, who's right at the forefront as far as uh, district MVP um, over in that district. Um, they had another. They had a freshman in, um, in that game. Uh, let's see, uh, what was her name? I can't even remember her name. They had a little freshman, a Lier, um, something. But she, uh, you know, she was really, really impressive against uh, McKinney North as well. They've just got so many bodies that they can put in the paint. They just make it so hard to score inside there. But they're playing a centennial team that has been three that went three rounds deep last year. They were right on the cusp of knocking off Liberty, and they've got two seniors in Madison Ott and Leila Patel that are, I mean, that's about as strong a one-two punch as it gets in girls basketball in the in the five A Metroplex. And I mean, it's two players that have been through the fires of playoff competition and you know just if they can at least neutralize or at least try to at least not get absolutely ravaged on the boards by Wiley East because in that game, you know, McKinney North's not a big team and they paid for it. Um, Akasha Davis finished, I believe she had 21 points and 21 rebounds in that game. I mean, just so much just dominance in the paint and just controlling the glass. And if they can at least limit the damage in that respect, um, then, you know, Centennial's got a chance despite this being a one versus four. Um, you know, Centennial doesn't feel like a typical uh, a typical force just because that's a, that's a really good district that the coming from so um yeah just curious to see um if this if there is any upset potential in this one despite wiley east being state ranked and whatnot um you know frisco lone star was able to win that district there over 95a they come into this thing red hot you know i mean again if you survive that frisco district with only i believe just one loss on your record then that's saying something um they do get a first year varsity program in um in rock hill and you know what shout out to rock hill man despite being interested in their first year of varsity athletics I mean, they had a strong cross-country season, mm-hmm. and then they made the playoffs in volleyball, girls' basketball, and boys' basketball is already qualified, too. Have, like, not, think about Prosper ISD this year. Know, oh, yeah. Both the girls, the boys at Prosper High School, and then Rock Hill, both their girls' and basketball programs qualify in the same season. So, big, great, great season so far for, for Prosper ISD. I know. And then, yeah, now Prosper's just, they're, <laughs> they're just doing great things on all fronts. I mean, the football team had its run to get all the way back to the, uh, you know, what the regional finals and, mm-hmm. you know, volleyball had another strong run. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, what a year. And even for, yeah, for the upstart Rock Hill School, despite all these programs being in their first year of varsity athletics to just immediately hit the ground running like this. Now, granted, Lone Star is going to be a tall order. Yep. You know, and Lone Star, when you look at them, I'm, I'm just anxious to see 
see what this means as far as, like, if you look at the recent success of Frisco ISD and the girls' basketball playoffs and how they've had, you've had Liberty and Lone Star both make it to the regional tournament each of the past three seasons. Um, you know, and it's just those two have been kind of the bell cows for as strong as Frisco ISD has been in girls' basketball. Those two have kind of been the uh, the benchmarks. Um, so, yeah, anxious to see what this means as far as if they can repeat that success or whatnot, because obviously it's going to be a challenging region. Um, so, but nevertheless, so history does at least forecast that we might have a, a couple Frisco teams making pretty deep runs here. So, yeah, that um, that's kind of a look in a nutshell as far as what um, as far as what Region Two has. Um, as far as like who the who the on paper favorite is, at least going according to rankings, this is actually a district where you didn't have anybody from Region Two ranked in the top ten. The highest ranked team is actually Wiley East. They're number twelve, and you also have let's see, then you also have Lone Star at uh, number seventeen, uh, McKinney North at number twenty. You have Midlothian eighteen, Red Oak nineteen. So I um, mean, a lot of teams whose resumes are kind of closely, you know, at least close by comparison. So again, ultimately, doesn't know what that means. Any one team is head and shoulders above the other because, like I said, Wiley East is the highest ranked team, but I could see them going right down to the wire with Frisco Centennial potentially in that first round matchup. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what it all means, but. Um a look at uh, Region Two over in Six A. Let's then talk about at least a little bit about Region Two over in uh, over in Six A with um, with Saxe, with Mesquite Horn. Um, you know, David obviously Horn still has some uh, some business to settle as far as what their seed's going to be mm-hmm. with um, with Tyler Legacy. Um, those two teams play tonight um, at Maybank uh, mm-hmm. to determine the one seed out of Ten Six A. So yes, I'll um, I'll see the reins over to you. Talk a little bit about what is um, at least on the docket for uh, Horn and Saxe as the postseason gets rolling. Well. For Horn, tonight's is going to be a fantastic matchup. Um, both of those teams, you know, their combined record between Tyler Legacy and Mesquite Horn on this season is forty-five and six. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and both teams are ten and two in district play. Um, so it's, it's, this is going to be a fantastic game. Uh, like. I, th- I think this is a game that's definitely going to go down to the wire right here. Uh, both the first they played each other twice already. The first two games were really close. Um, Legacy got the uh, better of uh, of Horn on New Year's Eve by a score of forty eight to forty four, but a few weeks later on January twenty sixth, uh, Horn rallied from a from a three point half halftime deficit to take down uh, the Lady Raiders by ten points. And in that game, Jasmine Chavers, who I believe is committed to Mississippi State. Um, that's a good question. I don't have that information in front of me. Yeah, uh, Jasmine Chavers, like you know, she's absolute stud for him. She had twenty one points in the in the second matchup for the for that game. So uh, Division One, you know, caliber prospect right there. So it's going to be an exciting game tonight. Um, but like you know, whoever wins that district title, you know, they'll get a pretty favorable first round matchup. But then when you get to the second round of the <laughs> of the of that particular region right there. Um, they're either going to face DeSoto or Duncanville. That's really kind of the lingering question for everybody in Region 26A is, okay, well, how long until you have to play either Duncanville or DeSoto? Yeah. Or, I believe, what, number two and number three in the state. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, you know, with Horn, I guess, you know, no matter what their path is, they're going to, if they get out of the first round, that is, they would run into one of those two schools, I believe. Let's see. Um, if they, uh, let's see if they win, then they, if they win their first round matchup, let's see if they, uh, oh, I'm all right. Let's uh, 
sorry, if they were to win tonight <laughs> and if they get the, the one seed out of 10-6A, mm-hmm. then a first-round victory would then get them Duncanville in the second round. If they are the second seed out of 10-6A, a win in the first round would pair them against DeSoto in the second round. So there's really no easy draw. I know mean, no, well. I know DeSoto <laughs> technically has beat Duncanville twice, but that doesn't mean that Duncanville is any more favorable a draw no. on paper. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, they'll need they'll need all the Jasmine Shavers that they can uh, that they can put out there. Mm-hmm. She'll have to be at her, at her absolute best to keep them uh, afloat for much longer than the second round. And now, uh, just moving on to Saxe, mm-hmm. um, you know, they they're gonna, they finished uh, second in their district right there, and and like we just mentioned, DeSoto and Duncanville, they, you know, if they get to the third round, they could deceivably play Duncanville in the third round. Yeah. So, I mean, just the, the D word right there, DeSoto or Duncanville. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's, it's actually just, you know, just like Duncanville, they're a model of consistency oh, as absolutely. well, too. Absolutely. Uh, this is their 10th straight playoff appearance right here. And um, they've, they've come into the playoffs on a pretty nice little run right here. Um, they've won uh, uh, I went on Max Props. They've won five straight games. They're 11-7 on this season. And they're going to play Rockwell, who is the third seed out of District 10-6A in the first round. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that, that'll be a good matchup right there to kind of see, see you know, what Saxe's all about. Um, and Saxe, um, you know, I, I kind of like the role, that, like I said, that they're on right now. Um, you know, one of the particular games I kind of noted, that just to show how good of a role they are in right now, um, they had a, they've had two matchups against Wiley this year. And the first time that they played Wiley, they lost by five points, 44 to 39 on the January 20th. But a couple weeks later, on February 2nd, they turned right around and beat them by 16 points. Okay. So, I mean, you, I like the role that Sox is on right now. Yeah, that's a program that still got three rounds deep last season there. I mean, yeah, if you're looking for a, you know, without the state championship or whatnot, but a team that has been on a similar role like like a Liberty as far as a team that is always getting at least three deep in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It does feel like Saxe has really kind of had a nice thing going there over in Region 2 for some time. It's going to be a bit of a tricky road, though, because, as you mentioned, though, if they do win that first round, then you're likely looking at a second-round matchup against state-ranked Harker Heights, which went three rounds deep last season. And then if you're able to score an upset there, then you likely get DeSoto in the third round. And Ooh. that... Uh, that just won't be fun for anybody involved. So it's, no. uh, yeah, again, like I said, it's, I wonder if you were to put a, uh, just to put like, like betting odds as far as the likelihood of a certain matchup, just what the odds would be of anything other than a Duncanville DeSoto regional final out of this. Cause it feels like those two have been, you know, with the exception of, you know, your, uh, I guess, let's see the number one ranked team in the state. Um, let's see, who is it? It is, uh, yeah, Cypress Creek. That's right. Cypress Creek's undefeated, um, you know, over in Region 3. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Duncanville and DeSoto have been kind of head and shoulders, a combined record of, uh, what, 43-3 and three entering last week. So, yeah, that's uh, those two programs are in quite the uh, quite the good way. So, um, yeah, we'll see if anybody can uh, upset the apple cart and, do, uh, you know, deny that, um, that regional final. But it does feel like those two teams are kind of a cut above the rest of the field right now. Mm-hmm. All right, so then let's round this out then with a look at Region 1 and what we have shaken out there over in 6A. Um, we obviously got a handful of local teams with the 5-6A versus 6-6A by-district matchups. Some quick notes on those. Um, Allen versus Louisville in the first round. Um, Allen enters as the 2-seed out of 5-6A. They draw Louisville, the 3-seed out of 6-6A. Um, they did play earlier in the season on November 9th. Allen won that game just 38-34, to and they didn't feel like a fluke just given how these teams have traditionally matched up over the years. So before, so obviously Allen was in Region 2, you know, these last two years. Um, 
But beforehand, though, in 2018 and 2017, Allen and Lillisville played each other in the per- in the first round of the postseason in each of those years. And both games went right down to the wire. Um, in 2018, Allen won the matchup 55-51. to And then in 2017, Lewisville won 37-35. to So history says that these, these two teams tend to, uh, tend to play some very, very competitive basketball. And I get it just looking at the personnel on paper and uh, just the, the, the defensive problems that, um, that Lewisville can at least pose for a team like Allen, which you know, even though Allen is state-ranked and has just four losses all season, um, you know, Louisville does have, you know, some pretty, uh, some pretty stout interior defense with Layla Lawrence, who's one of the few players that you can, you know, you could throw her on Mackenzie Worm, you know, that Allen's a, you know, six foot three post and you can feel all right about that matchup. Layla Lawrence was the, uh, the co-defensive player of the year in last year in 6XA for a reason. And then they have some other really, really quality defenders, Maya Dotson, just a sophomore. And I just, I think that there's at least a recipe there for them to at least give Allen some problems. Now, anxious to see if Louisville can sort of kind of, you know, figure its offense back out. They, uh, they did lose last Friday to Hebron in a game that Hebron just kind of kept them at bay. Louisville just could not find the bottom of the net over the last over the last uh, half of that fourth quarter, and Hebron winds up winning that one, um, going away. So, uh, but uh, like I said, history does kind of favor this matchup being pretty competitive, despite the uh, you know the disparity in rankings between these two. So, uh, yeah, anxious to see if we get more of the uh, more of the same on Thursday when they match up. Uh, Plano versus Braswell is another one that could be sneaky decent, mm-hmm. given what Braswell has accomplished in recent years as sort of a program that's been steadily getting better with each year. Obviously, they had an awesome season in their last year in 5A, and then they finished third in that district this year, only behind state-ranked Allen and Geyer. Um, you know, Plano, a team that's kind of... It feels like they're maybe flying under the radar a little bit, which is insane when you consider that they're returning the majority of a rotation that went to the regional finals last season, obviously led by you know Michaela Edens and Amaya Brandon. You know, plus Plano's coming into this uh, into this matchup in a in a pretty good way. They've won seven of their last eight games after being a little bit up and down for the first half of district play. They were just at one point only I believe four and three over the first half of district, um, and some of that had to do with you know with quarantines and kids being in and out of the rotation. So it seems like they've at least figured out a far more consistent product in recent weeks. So we'll see if that translates to the postseason. It's another team that's been really, really successful in recent years, obviously winning state in 2018. And then they went three rounds deep in 2019 and then obviously five rounds deep last year. So obviously the bar pretty high for Plano as they get their postseason rolling. Uh, Ditto for Plano East um, as they draw Prosper in the one versus four matchup. Um, with the 6-6-A champs taking on the 4 seed out of 5-6-A. Um, it's a rematch between two rivals from District 9-6-A last year. I East won both meetings last year, and obviously the personnel has changed a little bit on Prosper since then. East pretty much has its same team, but I think back to that first meeting last year um, on the road at Prosper. East wins that game 48-39, to but it was a really competitive game most of the way. This was like a 2-4 point game right up until the very end, and East got some separation at the free throw line. And I just remember, I mean, just in terms of just sheer talent. East had a fairly overwhelming advantage, but Prosper just hung tough behind just scheme and just fundamentals, mm-hmm. and they um, they were just so sound, and it was at least enough to at least give themselves a puncher's chance in that matchup. Now, we'll see if they can, you know, if they can replicate that at all on uh, on Thursday, because this is not the East team that they saw last season. Personnel-wise, it looks the same, but in terms of just mentality and just the confidence that this team is playing with after having run the table in District 6-6A, um, you know, it's a program that is certainly uh, fancies 
itself, you know, doing a bit better than going two rounds deep from what it did last year. Um, East is a team I'm anxious to see what they uh, what they can do with the uh, just the year that they've had. Their um their only losses all season have been to uh, Duncanville, DeSoto, and South Grand Prairie, who are all ranked in the state's top five. So uh, it's a team that at least um you know on paper, and they've kind of you know they've they got through the uh, you know the hardships of that stretch of close games that they were having to pull out. They've been far more convincing to close out the season. So um yeah, let's uh now you just got to see what it translates to in the playoffs and having to carry yourselves as a team that now expects to start winning postseason games and whatnot. So yes, Plano East and Prosper, that's one to watch on Thursday. And then you have Hebron versus Denton Geyer. Hebron, like I mentioned, despite being the four seed in um in six six A, they got a huge win Friday against Louisville. Their defense was outstanding down the stretch and you know and they've got the they've got at least the the personnel just from a a, phys- a, a an athletic profile, you know, a lot of size and range with their wings that, you know, maybe they could at least make things a little bit difficult on Geyer, who, um, I mean, Geyer, who looked just so emphatic in, um, in being able to uh, just tear through Allen and that rematch that they had a couple weeks ago. Um, Bella Earl, Evie Getz, um, Haley Mason. It's just a question of just how Hebron is going to be able to handle that pressure that Geyer is going to put on you and just that press that they throw and just the job that they do creating turnovers and getting points through that. And it's um yeah I mean it's going to be a, a tall order for Hebron. It's all it's just going to come down to how well you protect the basketball, and if you cannot just get completely scrambled by that press early on, then you know we'll see. Maybe it's a game, but um obviously yes, Geyer a team that's going to be one to watch for this postseason. Um you know kind of like over in a you know over in Region Two, the big question is how long until you run into those two teams from District I believe eight six A with South Grand Prairie, who I believe is ranked. Uh, let me pull it up here. Are they number five in the state? They uh, they're number four actually yeah number four South Grand Prairie and number five Arlington Martin both in Region One and um, yeah it's uh, it's going to be if um, let's see if Allen and Guy are both advanced then they would get those two teams in the second round oh, I believe uh, let's see so if let's see Allen is the two seed so then that means they would see SGP in the second round most likely and then with Guy it means they would likely see um, Arlington Martin oh. so you could be getting two matchups between uh, teams that are ranked in, I guess, what, the top 15 in the state in the second round alone. So, yeah, you talk about a, uh, some overqualified matchups potentially early on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's at least, I mean, if you're, if you're Plano and Plano East, though, it's a nice little reprieve there and that you likely wouldn't see either of those teams until the third round, assuming mm-hmm. you're able to advance that far. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of where the strength of this region lies is um, kind of with, um, with those two 8-6-A programs. But we'll see if 6-6-A or 5-6-A has anything to say about that. Anything's possible. Yeah, it's uh, it all gets going on on Thursday with the by district round schedule is very very heavy towards Thursday games this week as the playoffs get going. So uh, yeah, plenty of fun hoops and stores this uh, as the show gets going. So um, quickly before we close out though, let's um, just kind of some quick notes as far as some things to watch for this week on the boys side of things. Obviously mm-hmm. the focus will be on the girls side, but still plenty to decide though with um, with the boys entering their final week of the regular season for the most part. So uh, David, what is um, what are a couple things to watch on your end for this? week well i'm going to watch the the colony boys basketball team mm-hmm. um they're they're them and sherman are battling for the number four spot out of 10 5a mm-hmm. um and the colony holds a one game lead going in tomorrow night into tomorrow's games mm-hmm. um like the worst case that the colony can do is force you know cause a a, a, a 
a playing game to happen. Okay. That that would have to happen if they if they lose to Rock Hill and if Sherman beats somehow beats McKinney North. Okay. Um, but like even if if the Colony loses and Sherman loses, then the Colony will get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But obviously the Colony would just like to just take care of business, you know, regardless. For sure. Um, they're going to play a Rock Hill team who's in its own, who's in its first year, but still going to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. That's what they were state ranked earlier in the season. Yeah, it's they were. What an accomplishment for that team. It's a good team. So um, those two teams, you know, they, they went down to the wire on January the 30th, and Rock Hill uh, won 57-56. to 56. But for the Cougars during that time, that's actually the fourth game and fourth nights that they were playing since their return from a quarantine. Mm-hmm. So with some games ever since then and a little bit of couple days between games you're kind of interested to kind of see how the colony kind of handles it this time around um so i mean it'll it'll be it'll be it'll be a great game tomorrow night um and then just moving over to the 66a uh capel um they're in quarantine until the end of this week Mm -hmm. um so they're having to they have have to reschedule three games uh flower mound they're going to replay they're supposed to play them on friday but they're going to be scheduled for this Saturday at a time to be determined. Um, I saw Max Preps, I think it's 11, but I just want to double check just to verify. And then next week, uh, they have games on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Monday, they're going to play at, at Plano and then close out the regular season against Plano West on next Tuesday, the 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we're gonna, it's, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they come back from the quarantine. I think this is at least the second time that they've had a missed games because of a quarantine. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... This is a compels the team that's won twelve straight games, you know, and they hold a one game lead over Marcus, you know, District Six Six A. So this this district's going to come down to the wire, and then Marcus has got you know two games remaining left in district play. You know, they got Flower Mound, who they lost to Flower Mound thirty to oh, twenty eight. Yeah. I'm sure that that, is, that thought is not lost on Marcus as they get no, ready for no. Tuesday. Just a little bit of just a little bit of motivation right there, mm-hmm. and then they close out the regular season uh, Friday against Plano. So um, that that district's coming right down mm-hmm. to the wire. Yeah, kind of just a quick note on that though. Yeah, obviously Capel in first place, they're ten and one. Marcus half game back, ten and two in second place. And then I mean, it's just I have no idea with one week to go who's going to get those last two playoff spots. You have Plano and uh, Louisville are tied at six and six for third place, and then Plano East and Hebron are one game back, tied for fifth place at five and seven. Um, you just you look at the schedules this week. Obviously, the big game that jumps out is Tuesday. Plano East and Hebron play at East. Now, East won the first matchup in the game that went right down to the wire. So, huge game for both fronts. If Hebron, mm-hmm. I mean, Hebron kind of needs this one if they're going to be able to hang tight because you can't surrender the head-to-head tiebreaker with East and then still be able to, I guess, find a, a path to the postseason, even though East still has to play Louisville later in the week. So, a huge game for uh, for Hebron in that respect. Um, you know, Plano has a really, really tough week. Obviously, they don't have to play Capel until Monday or whatever, but they, um, they get a little bit of a break and they draw Marcus on Friday. But they're closing out the season against the top two teams in the district, which is obviously that's very tough <laughs> very very tough yes um see with lewisville though their draw is probably at least on paper maybe the maybe the easiest i don't know it's tough to, it's tough to say i mean they get plano west you know to start on tuesday plano west which actually you know upset the apple carton a little bit they actually upset plano last week on friday to kind of now put plano's playoff hopes back into jeopardy you know with this tough week that was we talked about last week was you know plano had to get through that they had flower mount on tuesday and west on friday the bottom two teams in the district if they could get through that in one piece, then they'd be in better shape. But 
they split those two. So now all of a sudden, it's no longer as much of a clear cut, uh, you know, shot as it appeared. So, um, you know, nevertheless, so yeah, Louisville plays uh, plays West on Tuesday, and then they get East on Friday. So obviously, Louisville and Plano East a very very big game later on this week. So, uh, like I said, I, I I don't know right now if I was to put odds on it, who would get, who gets those last two spots because it just feels like there's so many matchups that could go either way. As crazy as this, as this district has been, it would be foolhardy to say any one team has a decided edge over the over the other, regardless of the matchup. And then the last note is um, I'm anxious to finally get to see this team in person. I've been wanting to, and just the schedule just hadn't worked out. But got to finally check in on the old Lovejoy on Tuesday. See the Lovejoy boys as they look to uh, wrap up what I think was a pretty unexpected district title. Would be. I mean, I guess I'd have to go through and see the TABC and where they had them projected. But, you know, Lovejoy, they were in quarantine for a little bit and had to play a, a, a quick stretch of games. But they've um, they've emerged from this playing their best basketball of the season. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they've won 10 straight, and they've really taken command of what was a, an otherwise a really closely contested district title race over in 10-5A with mm-hmm. McKinney North, which just mentioned Rock Hill as well. Um, you know, obviously Mitchell Weaver, Carson Holden, they've uh, done a really good job, you know, keeping things on track for them. And I mean, they were able to sweep Rock Hill, and uh, they split with McKinney North. So North is still a game back in the standings, so that does mean that Lovejoy has to win Tuesday against Wiley East to wrap up that district title outright. And, um, you know, they won the first meeting pretty convincingly, and, um, yeah, we'll see what is, uh, what's in store on Tuesday. But, yes, Lovejoy in a very good way heading into the playoffs. And, um, yeah, David, that's looking look at it all, man. Preview for the girls' basketball playoffs, some quick hits on some notable stuff on the boys' side, and uh, that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Through technical difficulties and all. We are finally at the end of the road. So, yes, folks, postseason gets going later this week, so wherever you wind up on Thursday, um, hey, until then, folks, we will talk to you all later. Enjoy the rest of your week. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.